Amen. How about these guys? This is our student band. Give them a little love there. Great that they get to uh, use their gifts for the Lord. Uh, you can have a seat real quick. Welcome to First Baptist. We're glad you're here, especially if you're watching online. Appreciate you being with us. If you're a guest, I want to remind you about the uh, guest card there. Actually, I'm not reminding you. If you're a guest, this is the first time. So here's the information. This is the guest card. So uh, you can grab those out of the pew rack. And fill that out. And at the end of the service, if you can go to the Welcome Center, you go out and take a left, walk up the ramp there. You can uh, drop this in a box there. We have a gift for you and talk to one of our pastors uh, there at the Welcome Center. We'd love to get to know you. So uh, take care of that. Uh, but so this morning as we gather to worship, I just want to ask this question. What do you need to hear from God this morning? What do you need? What word do you need from him and it may not be that you even know what that word is, but I want you to be open to what God has to say for you this morning uh, through his word and through the worship as we gather. And I want to encourage you to also, after the service, to go check out a connection group and, and hear from the Lord there as well. Let's pray and we'll continue worship.
Father God, you are so good to us. You give us your grace and mercy and love. You give us Jesus, God, and I thank you for how much uh, you desire to lavish us with your goodness. God, it's your grace that makes us want to change. And this morning as we gather and worship, help us to hear what you have for us so that we can follow you and live for you. God, help us give praise to you. Help us to just express ourselves and listen and soak up what you have for us. God, help what we hear today make a difference in the world. Let us give all of ourselves to you in worship this morning. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. I just want to go ahead and stand sing this.
shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me.
Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day and this wonderful time of worship. You are so good. Thank you for your love, your faithfulness, and your forgiveness. Please be with Jake as he brings us this sermon and be with everyone here that their hearts and their minds will be open and, and they will listen and hear his words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Wow, that was incredible. Can we give it up to Maddie and the band one more time for leading us in worship this morning? Thank you so much. Today we begin a three-week series through uh, this idea called Legacy. And the overarching theme of this series comes from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes in verse 3 that what he has passed on of first importance he, he also received. He says, for what I passed on to you, most important, what I also received. And then he goes in to explain the gospel. And so here's, here's the idea. Every Christ follower has received and is living into a legacy. And then we also carry the responsibility of passing on this legacy to the next generation. So for the next three weeks... Today, we're looking at our foundation, which is the gospel. Everything will flow from this. So we have a message. In week two, we realize that the gospel creates a people. And so we belong to a family, or we are called to live in community. And then finally, in the last week, we see that we have a purpose, that the gospel gives us a mission to complete. And we'll unpack that together. But today we are in Luke 19, and we're looking at the story of Zacchaeus. And here's the thing, if you haven't grown up in church, or if you're new to the Bible, Zacchaeus may not be a name you're familiar with. Uh, we don't find his name anywhere else in the scriptures. He doesn't really do a whole lot in uh, church history that we know a lot about him. He didn't write any other books of the Bible. And so this is the one place we hear about Zacchaeus. So if you're unfamiliar to him, that's okay. But if you did grow up in the church, more than likely you know Zacchaeus. Why? Because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? He climbed up in the sycamore tree. Okay, enough of that. But this is a beloved story. And I think the reason why is because it's so simple and relatable. It's about a bad guy and about an amazing Savior. And so here's the big idea this morning. The big idea comes straight from uh, verse 10 of this passage. And the big idea is this, is that the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus is clearly lost, and we're going to see that. He's a wicked man. He is absolutely hated by his community, and that's because he's a tax collector. Now, when the Romans would take over a city, they would want to tax the city heavily. And what they would do is they would hire out locals to come and work for them. And the reason they would hire locals is that the locals would know where people like to hide their money, right? And so you couldn't hide from these guys. And the way that the tax collectors would collect their tax is that they would have a number that was legitimate. This is what you owe the government, but then they would add a little bit on top of that, and whatever they could extract extra, they got to keep. So think about this. If, they, if Zacchaeus went to the house of a widow, knocked on the door and said, uh, ma'am, your taxes are due, and she, she legitimately owed $100 to the government, Zacchaeus could tell her, you owe $150, and I need it paid today. There's nothing that woman could do. She would have to pay that amount. And here we see that Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He's the boss, right? So not only does he get his cut when he collects tax, he gets a cut from everybody else, which makes him supremely wealthy. Now, as we look at Zacchaeus, and we're going to jump in the text here in just a minute, I, I, I want to push back for just a second, because sometimes when we study this text, Zacchaeus just gets a bad rap. And so let's just try to see life from his point of view for a second, right? Um, we know he's a little guy. More than likely, all of his life, he has been teased and picked on. So betraying his community and his countrymen probably doesn't bother him. 
because he probably doesn't have a lot of friends and the people he's close to were probably mean to him anyway. Not only that, one of the best paying jobs in that culture was to be a fisherman. Zacchaeus is small. Probably the only good job that he could have is to be a tax collector. This is his one way of making a good income. Now, before we make excuses for this guy's sin and stealing from people, I at least want us to see this from his side of the story, right? That life was probably not easy for Zacchaeus. Hurt people often do what? They hurt people. We factor all of that in and we can at least humanize the story of Zacchaeus a little bit. Whatever Zacchaeus' past history is, here's what I know in this text. He is curious about Jesus, and he wants to know who he is. So here's the first point we have this morning, and this is what I want you to notice. The gospel is good news for the worst and the difficult. Look here in verse 2. It says, There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now, if you're, you're reading this in the first century, three things are jumping off the page to you. And Luke 18 actually provides all the context for us to understand this. So you look at the chapter before Luke 19. Just, just go with me for a second. And the first thing you see is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. In that parable, the Pharisee prays, and he goes through this like descending list of, of sinners. And he says, God, I'm so grateful that I'm not like other men. I'm not a robber or an evildoer or an adulterer or a tax collector. He kind of goes from, from least sinners to the worst. And then what we see when the tax collector comes in, the text says he stands to the very back. And the reason being is because in the temple, tax collectors were not allowed to stand with the people. They were seen as so bad and so hated that if they were Jewish and they wanted to go worship, they would have to stand in the very back. In modern day, in our worship center, it would be like having people stand in the foyer and watching the message on the TVs back there. That's why the tax collector's in the very back. And then, in Luke 18, Jesus tells this story of the rich young ruler. And what you see in the rich young ruler, he runs to Jesus, falls on his knees, says, how can I have eternal life? Jesus says, sell all you have and then come follow me. And the text says that that rich young ruler goes away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus makes this statement. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The reason I'm telling you all this is that Luke is trying to set this up that we would see that Zacchaeus represents for us the worst of the worst and the hardest to reach. Do you know anybody like that? You know anybody in your family, where you work, who are the worst of the worst and the absolute hardest to reach? Are you maybe like that? Here's what I want us to see this morning. Our message, the gospel, has something to say to the worst of the worst and the hardest to reach. We have a message that is the very power of God that can transform anyone. So here's point number two. I want you to see that the gospel comes to us primarily as an encounter with Jesus. Look at verse 3. It says that Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. Now, here's the thing for a minute. Just pause. Uh, I know short is relative, but in that culture, short meant between four and five foot tall. So if we're at a parade and a short person stands in front of me, that's not going to bother me, right? Why? I can see over them. But in this culture, they hate Zacchaeus so much that they won't even let him get in front of them. He tries to come up, and they're, they're hip-checking him, saying, hey, get behind me, you wicked little man, right? And it goes on in verse 4. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he was about to pass by. Hey, if you're here this morning and you're searching, can I just say, look at the example of Zacchaeus. Don't, don't let Jesus' self-righteous admirers keep you from seeing him. Sometimes you have to be like Zacchaeus 
And you have to rise above us a little bit because sometimes we get it wrong. A few weeks ago, Tim preached a message on stereotypes, right? Talked about how we can be hypocritical and judgmental from time to time. Listen, we don't always get it right. So if you have a history with the church and we've hurt you, I'm sorry. Don't let that get in the way of you seeing Jesus, right? Rise above us if you can. Now what I love here is is look at the extent of what Zacchaeus is doing to see Jesus. The text says not only that he climbs up a tree, he runs. No one likes running, do they? I mean, that's awful. But here's Zacchaeus. He is running and he's climbing up trees. What does that sound like to us? That's something that children would do, isn't it? And isn't that the point? Jesus says if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you've got to be dependent on God like a little child. I've got toddlers, right? They're dependent on me for everything. Me and Katie, I must say, right? Can I get an amen? They're dependent on everything. That's what we see here in Zacchaeus. He's a dignified rich, powerful man. And here we see him becoming childlike in order to see Jesus. Listen, Zacchaeus was more interested in seeing Christ than he was in what people may have thought about him. That's where we need to be. Verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, because today I must stay at your house. Do you notice Jesus called him by his name? I'm pretty sure in that town, people didn't call Zacchaeus by his name. The name Zacchaeus means righteous one. I'm pretty sure people didn't walk around saying, hey, good morning, righteous one, right? This is the guy that steals from them. This is the guy that they can't stand. Nobody was looking at him, calling him by his name. But Jesus calls us by what we are not. Jesus calls us by what we will become. Jesus calls us by what he will transform us into. Zacchaeus is not righteous, but God is going to make him righteous. Guys, this is our message. This is our gospel. This is our good news. This is our story, isn't it? I wasn't righteous, but Jesus through the cross has made me righteous. I want you to notice another thing. Zacchaeus was content with distance, wasn't he? He just wanted to climb up the tree and see Jesus, he's not okay with distance. If you're here today and you just kind of want to observe this whole church thing, that's okay with that. But let me tell you, Jesus wants to know you, right? He wants to have a relationship with you. And here's what he says in the text. This meeting must happen. It's necessary for me to stay at your house. Uh, Throughout the Gospels, we see these divine uh, necessities. It's necessary for this to happen because God is requiring it. What we need to see is it's, it's not enough to just know stuff about Jesus. Jesus wants a relationship with us. He wants us to know him. Now, if you'd let me for just a second, would you just let me chase two rabbits for just a moment? Because I think there's two rabbits here in the, the text that we need to chase down for a second. I want you to see here for a minute who is seeking whom. For centuries, Christians have debated in our salvation, do we have free will to choose God, or does God predestine just a select few to know him? This is the debate of Calvinism and Arminianism, right? And I think this text speaks to this theological dilemma for a second. So I want to look at this. In this text, is Zacchaeus looking for Jesus? Yes. In this text... Is Jesus looking for Zacchaeus? Yeah. Zacchaeus is seeking after Jesus. Jesus is seeking after Zacchaeus. Hey, I don't know about y'all, but we just solved 500 years of theological debate right here in this moment. Pat yourself on the back. I think what we see here is that God is absolutely sovereign and man is 100% responsible. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and we are responsible to answer that call. And the Bible says that when you seek him, 
You will find him if you seek him with all of your heart. And the reason why that happens is that when you repent and turn around, you are now on a collision course with the God of the universe because he is always pursuing, always seeking, always running after you. And the moment you turn around, you're headed straight for him. We must pursue Jesus knowing that he is always pursuing us. The second rabbit, though, I want, to, I want to chase down here for a second. I want you to notice the ugliness of self-righteousness. Verse 7, I want to read this to you. All who saw this began to complain. He's gone to lodge in the house of a sinner. Right? One of my favorite names of Jesus is the name Friend of Sinner. Friend of Sinners. Listen, if, if our Lord, who we follow, was known as a friend of people who are far from God, then that should be the, true of us as well, shouldn't it? Like, when, when people look at us, they should say, man, you, you really are a friend of sinners. And we should say, thank you, that's, that's me following my Lord. But there's a scandalous order in this story to that day. To share a meal with, with someone in their house was the sign of a very intimate friendship. And here, Jesus is extending this invitation before Zacchaeus is cleaning up his life. Zacchaeus is still lost, and Jesus gives him an invitation to friendship. How do you know if you're being self-righteous? Because sometimes it's a blind spot, isn't it? Sometimes we don't know we're being it, and we miss it. Let me, let me give you one indicator to how you can know you're being self-righteous. Self-righteousness always develops an allergy to grace. These people who are watching, essentially what they were saying is, I don't need the grace of God, and I don't want you to have it. That's the allergy to grace that we see here. May this not be true of us. The third thing I want you to see, notice the response to the gospel here. We see faith, we see obedience, we see repentance. Look at verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, because today I must stay at your house. Verse 6. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. Jesus says, come down. Zacchaeus says, okay, comes down immediately. Parents, is this not the type of obedience we would love to have from our kids, right? Go clean your room. I roll, ugh, fine, right? What if, kids, when your parents say, clean your room, you're like, okay, mom and dad, that sounds awesome. I'm on my way, right? And just take off. Parents, this is free, by the way. You don't, you don't have to pay for this. I'm just, just trying to help out, right? Look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood there and said uh, to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Look at the word, here it comes. Half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Did you see it? Did you see the change in Zacchaeus' life? Uh, Dwight Moody says that Zacchaeus was saved in the amount of time it takes for a person to fall from the limb to the floor. Zacchaeus represents the worst of the worst and the hardest to reach and God saved him in the time it takes from a person to fall from a limb to the floor this is the power of God this is our message this is the God we proclaim he can transform anyone and notice this Zacchaeus is not wanting to give away half of his wealth and four times anything that he's stolen he's not doing this in order to earn God's approval he's doing this because he already has God's approval the guy who was willing to sell out his family is now giving away money like it's candy at, at Halloween. This will likely take all of Zacchaeus' wealth. He will be bankrupt after that, which brings us to this next point. Notice the effects of the gospel. The effect of the gospel is joy. Look at verse 6 again. So he quickly came down and welcomed Jesus joyfully. 
This is the man who has found the treasure in the field and has sold everything he has in order to buy the field. This is the man who found the pearl of great price, who sold everything he had in order to buy the pearl. This story reminds me of the Christmas story of Ebenezer Scrooge, doesn't it? Little guy, bitter, greedy, is no longer held by the things of this world. His heart is transformed, and now he is the most generous, joyful man on earth. This is what the gospel does. Todd Green said a few weeks ago from, from the stage that happiness is based on happenings. But joy is greater than our circumstances. And the reason why is because our joy is rooted in the gospel. Which leads us to the final point this morning, and that's this. The gospel is the power of God for us and the world. Look at verse 9. It says, today salvation has come to this house. Now, when it says the word house, what it's telling us is that not only was Zacchaeus saved that day, the family saw the change in his life, and the whole house came to know Jesus. Fathers, do you see the spiritual impact that you have on your home? As the pastor of your home, you set the direction and the tone, and when your life gets on fire for Jesus, so does your family. So Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham. They thought Zacchaeus was too far gone. They thought there's no way this man could ever be saved. He's outside the grip of grace. But here we go, verse 10. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' story is our story. Zacchaeus deserved to be despised, but Jesus invited him into friendship. This is what Jesus did to us. We deserve God's wrath. God gives us grace. We deserve rejection. God gives us fellowship. I love Isaiah 51, 17. It says that Jesus drank the cup of judgment so that we could get the cup of joy. Do you see what's happening here in this text? Zacchaeus and Jesus are trading places. Zacchaeus gets all the joy. Jesus gets all the pain. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Guys, this is our message. This is the greatest news the world could ever hear. This is the greatest story that could ever be told. And this is the legacy that we are living in, and this is the legacy that we need to pass on to future generations. So as I close this morning, I want to do one quick experiment, and then I promise you I'm done. All right? And it's going to involve your participation for just a minute, so I'm going to need you to help me out. Just by a show of hands, how many of you know your grandfather's first name? Some of you are like, he's in the room. I know him, right? Okay, put your hands down. Put them back up if you, if you know your great-grandfather's first name. Okay, one more time. What about your great-great-grandfather's first name? Not as many hands, is it? You know what this experiment tells me? Within one to two generations after I'm gone, nobody will remember my name. Ugh, that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Within two generations after I'm gone, I will be completely forgotten. I think I'm okay with that under one set of circumstances. I'm okay with that as long as my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great great-grandchildren, know and follow and worship the name of Jesus, right? Because look at what Paul says one more time. Let me read it to you. For I passed on to you as most important what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Church, this is our message. This is our legacy that we are living into. It affects everything we do. And this is the legacy that we are passing on for future generations. What kind of legacy are you living into? What kind of legacy are you leaving behind? I pray that our lives are marked by a gospel legacy. Let's pray together. Father, as we have looked at this text that shows the power of the gospel to transform, God, may we be gripped by this message.
so that it brings joy to our lives, that it transforms us to faith, obedience, and repentance. God, I pray that this gospel will filter everything we do so that we are living into this legacy. But God, I pray this message is what we pass on of most importance so that even if our names are forgotten, Lord, they still remember you and worship you. That is our legacy. May you move that into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' good name. Amen. This morning you get an opportunity to respond to this message. And maybe today you begin a gospel legacy and you show faith, obedience, and repentance and follow Jesus. I'll be at the Welcome Center. I would love to talk to you about that. Maybe today you lock arms with us in this mission. You become a part of a community. If you'd like to join our church, we could talk about that at the Welcome Center as well. But today as we reflect, am I pointing to Jesus? Am I living into what he has given? Am I passing on what truly matters? Would you stand and respond to the word of God?
Grab a seat for just a second. Just a couple of quick announcements as we close. If you've got your worship guide, you'll notice them in there. A couple of things for Wednesday night. Don't forget about our prayer meeting and our CDP classes. Uh, The information about those is listed in there. If you haven't got your child registered for VBS, uh, please get that done. Please invite a neighborhood kid. Bring somebody to VBS. Invite them to come and and be a part of that as well. If you're interested in uh, the Denver mission trip, that information is in here and in our church app. Next week is Graduate Recognition Sunday. It's hard to imagine that it's here again, but it comes around every May, whether we like it or not. Um, it's here, and so that'll be done by video in each service, so you won't miss it uh, in, in no matter which one, which service you attend. And so um, it, always excited to see these graduates graduate, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to watch a class go on as well. So uh, how about this, the student praise band today? They did a great job, didn't they? One of the graduates, I'm going to probably embarrass Ethan. (laughs) One of the graduates is Ethan. And, uh, you know, he's a friend of mine, and I I love him. And and for six years, he's been playing guitar and and serving in the student ministry band. And, and, uh, you know, he's just a great kid. And, and been playing in here about as long. And, um, you know, was, Lord had to take him to Tennessee Tech. I don't know why. Um, but I, I'm excited for Ethan. And, and I'm just, let's give him a hand for his faithless. Let me, let me close this in prayer. Uh, don't forget, you can give in the back wall. You can give online uh, as well if you're joining us online this morning. And you can give there in the boxes on the back wall. If you're a guest with us, head down uh, to your left, and you'll see Jake there at the welcome desk. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for the gospel. And we just thank you for uh, your grace, that you call us to have faith in you, to be obedient to you. Uh, Father, to just be repentant in our life. And I just uh, just pray for your goodness over us, Father, and, and for uh, your direction, for your word that changes who we are. And, that, Father, that we can leave a legacy to our kids and to their kids and to their kids that the gospel is the main thing that matters. And we thank you for your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.